A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. Hello and welcome. I'm Tim Farron and this is the show where you get to hear from a Christian who works either in or through the mucky business of politics. You might think politics is tainted by compromise and sin and you'd be right of course but so is everything else. And I think Christians should be praying for their brothers and sisters who are in politics in an informed way. Today we're going to be joined by Mark Bainbridge. He's the executive director of the Lawyers Christian Fellowship. Much like politics, law is often seen as a mucky business. We'll discuss what drew him into that profession and also look at how the UK's laws affect how we choose to live out our Christian faith. But before that, I'd like to talk about religious intolerance. Over the weekend, Conservative MP Nuzgani spoke out saying that she'd been told by a Conservative whip that she had been sacked as a minister in 2020 because her Muslimness made her colleagues feel uncomfortable. We don't know all the details, and two years after the event, it appears that there will now be an inquiry. But this shocking account highlights the general suspicion that exists in our society towards faith and towards those who hold religious beliefs. While I'm horrified by Nuz's experience, I'm not completely surprised. After all, opinion leaders in our society mostly now hold that the neutral and rational position is to hold no faith at all. They pat themselves on the back, saying that, of course, they will tolerate those quaint people who hold a faith, but then turn sour when it comes to people of faith actually taking their faith seriously. People of faith are often told they should leave their beliefs at the door when carrying out their professional duties. But this approach simply doesn't bear scrutiny. It's not liberal, but most of all, it's just very silly. If you hold no conscious religious faith, you are not neutral. You've picked a side and it does affect how you view the world. I respect that, but it is the height of arrogance for you to think that you have reached some kind of special enlightenment. Sorry to break this to you, but there is no such thing as neutrality. And to expect a Muslim, a Jew, or a Christian to leave their worldview at the door is a nonsense when we wouldn't, for example, expect a Marxist or a libertarian to do the same. We have a strange situation in this country, officially, we have a state religion, at least in England. But let's be honest, the establishment acts as though the state religion is actually atheism. Faith is considered a wacky eccentricity. The default assumption is that there is no God, that people don't believe in God, and that we should act as though God asks nothing of us. You may disagree with me, but I believe we shouldn't have a state-sponsored worldview, whether it is Anglicanism or atheism. Muslims face far worse hostility for their faith and often for their very presence in this country than Christians, including, sadly, from some who call themselves Christians. As Christians, who may sometimes feel that our own faith isn't given a fair hearing, we need to stand up for the rights of those of other faiths to practice them. We cannot have one rule for Christianity and another for other faiths. We cannot stand up for the rights of Christians to express their views and not extend this to faiths and other worldviews. But most of all, we should support freedom of religion as part of the commitment to freedom of thought and speech and conscience, which this country has long upheld. This value springs from the Christian concept that we are all uniquely valuable as human beings, being made in the image of God, whether we recognise that God or not. 
It grew up during times of great religious intolerance in this country in earlier centuries and is a foundational British value. It is one of the reasons why people seek to come here when they are persecuted for their beliefs in their own countries. We know that salvation does not come through compulsion or assimilation. We know that there is no sense in legislating to make people who are not Christians live as though they were. Equally, it makes no sense for our culture to say, we will tolerate your faith, but only if it doesn't contradict our worldview. Those who say this are not in favour of diversity, tolerance or freedom, no matter what it says on their Twitter biog. They are those who have lost sight of what diversity and liberalism really mean. Christians should stand with Nuzgani for many reasons. The two main ones being because first we care about her and are outraged at abuse and discrimination against anyone. And second, because to paraphrase Pastor Niamola, if we shrug when they come for the Muslims, who will be left to speak up when they come for us? A mucky business with Tim Farron. Well, and now to our guest. Mark Bainbridge is the executive director of the Lawyers Christian Fellowship, and he is with us now. Hiya, Mark. Good morning. Well, it's great to see you and to have you with us. Um, let's start with the question we always ask our guests, and it might be the most important one we do. Tell us a little bit about how you became a Christian. Yeah, thank you, Tim. So I was born in Carlisle, and um, as a child, we went to church most Sundays. And throughout my childhood, in fact, throughout my entire life, I always had an awareness that God was real. And for me, he made sense of the, the universe in which I lived. Um, we moved from Carlisle, which is a very uh, nice, gentle environment uh, where my wider family were based, to Wakefield when I was 11. And then we stopped going to church as a family. But I still knew there was a God in heaven. And I remember reasoning at that time about creation versus evolution and being quite clear in my own mind that um, only God could have made the universe, the intelligent universe in which um, we live. Um, and so um, I, I played on. We moved again when I was 15. Um, to Staffordshire, which was quite an isolating experience at first. I remember going to um, some exams, you know, being the only person, for example, doing history, um, particularly history curriculum that I was doing at the time, and feeling quite alone and yet aware of God with me. Um, 18, um, I went to university to read law. I went to Hull University, uh, where it just so happened that a lot of people like Corridor were Christians. And they shared their, their Jesus story with me, their life with Christ with me. And they were very real. They were, they were evidently real in their relationship with God. And I remember one night I'd been talking to one of these Christian friends and was left alone um, in my bedroom. And then being acutely aware of the immediate presence of God, um, feeling a sense of conviction for my sin and knowing that if I died that night, that I wasn't right with God, that I wasn't, I wasn't going to heaven, and that, that I needed to address that. And that night by myself in my room, I um, asked God to forgive me and um, made a commitment to follow him. Um, what followed on from that wasn't necessarily um, straightforward. I felt like it was a, a bit of a journey trying to work out what it was to be a Christian, finding myself drawn to church, wanting to be in fellowship with the Christians. Um, and but gradually, um, through a number of difficult choices that I had to make at the time, 
um, began to understand what it is to follow Jesus Christ. Uh, Akima was actually going to a church where I heard the Bible preached and explained clearly, and that made a tremendous difference um, to me. Mark, thanks for that and for sharing it. It's it's really, really encouraging to hear, and it will be for many listeners as well. You, of course, um, studied law. You went off into the legal profession. If you don't mind us fast-forwarding through lots of really important bits of your life, let's get to the moment you, uh, you, you declined the offer to do the job that you currently do. Yes, no. So I had a conversation um, fairly early on uh, about joining the LCF to be the executive director and... Um, not being sure about, I wanted to go into a full-time Christian, um, full-time Christian ministry working for a church, and um, this didn't seem to fit very nicely with that. Um, but then, over the course of years, I thought about it um, and prayed about it. I became increasingly excited about the opportunity to serve other Christian lawyers to help them to connect their their faith with their legal profession and to support them in their, their mission as well, to, to reach others for Jesus Christ. And so about a year after that first conversation, um, for me, I was then excited and, and convinced this was the right job for me. And thankfully, the RCF are also on the same page. And so, Mark, you've described a little bit about what the fellowship does, but tell me a little bit more about why it is that uh, the Lawyers Christian Fellowship um, exists and why so many lawyers uh, choose to belong. Yeah, thank you. Um, so the LCF um, was founded in 1852 by a Scottish barrister starting a prayer meeting in London. Um, so it began as a prayer union 170 years ago, and we still are very much a prayer union. And that reflects our theology, and it's good theology, that prayer is where we do our best work. Um, as lawyers and so we still meet in London to pray at least once a month um, which is tremendous um, but the LCF is, is about discipleship it's about trying to help Christian lawyers and law students to understand the theology um, of law and justice which in turn en enlivens and excites their practice of law but it's also helping them to understand and connect with their mission field um, the best people to reach other lawyers and law students are undoubtedly Christian lawyers and law students. And so we want them to be the very best that they can be for Christ and to understand how they can reach their colleagues and friends with, with the good news. So we're very much about communicating the whole good news about Jesus Christ. Um, but there's another important thing which I think I should try and express as well, and that is um, to be a Christian is to experience salvation. The gospel is about salvation. But it's also about redemption. It's about God reconciling all things to himself. And so the wider work of Christian lawyers in society is really important. We want to enable our members to understand that and to live that out. Mm. And what would, what would drive, uh, I mean, you, you chose law as a profession before you became a Christian, um, just as I, to be honest with you, chose politics before I became one. So, um, but... What would and what should drive a Christian into the law? Yeah, good question. Well, I, there are some links, aren't there, between politics and, and law, um, both about serving fundamentally, um, and they're about representing. And there's a lot of advice work that goes on. And so 
for me, um, what should drive a Christian to go into law? Well, it's that understanding of one, that you can be represented, if you can align yourself over to God's purposes in this world. And for me, a, a big driver in my, in my own case, and for many of our members, is this passion for justice, this passion to seek to fix what's broken in society, to provide an orderly uh, society where the rule of law is upheld and to help people, um, to help, you know, our clients um, navigate the world in which they live, which is often messy and complicated and difficult. But Christian laws can do a great job in, in helping their clients to understand it and to respond to that. A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. We're talking to Mark Bainbridge, the Executive Director of the Lawyers Christian Fellowship. Mark, this is the week where many people will be opening up the uh, Open Doors World Watch List, looking at uh, the places around the world where it is most dangerous uh, to be a Christian, people facing persecution and worse. And in relief, I guess in, com- in contrast, here in the UK, we have enormous freedom uh, to live out our faith and uh, to talk about it. And the Lawyers Christian Fellowship works to try to encourage people to look at their freedoms and to make use of them. Tell me a bit more about that. Yeah, thank you. So my, my, my background is as an employment lawyer and within employment law, one of the areas I've specialised in is discrimination law, equality rights. And so a starting point for Christians um, in the UK is to understand that to be a Christian is to have and to enjoy a protected characteristic. Our religion and belief is protected in law. Um, and that's important. And I, I recognise, as you say, um, with the Open Doors World Watch List, that this is an increasingly dangerous world for Christians to live in. And there's some horrific stories, tragic stories, moving stories around the world. And for Christians, some Christians in our, in our country as well, it's a difficult place to be. Some Christians experience hostility in their workplaces. Others have lost their jobs. But fundamentally, um, as an employment lawyer, I can say we enjoy great freedom mm. to be Christians at work, to be Christians in our communities, and to speak about the gospel. And so a very popular resource, which the Lawyers Christian Fellowship has done in conjunction with the Evangelical Alliance is speak up. Over 100,000 copies has been distributed, helping Christians to understand their freedoms to live out their faith, to manifest their religion um, in our society today. Some great top tips about how to do so wisely and winsomely um, mm-hmm. are in that resource. We're about to do a new resource just for workers, um, worth keeping one's eye out for uh, in the near future. But a good thing, we surveyed um, uh, many Christians in preparation of this new resource, and we found out that well over half of the respondents to that survey were saying that they were able and had shared their faith with their colleagues at work and had done so without consequence. So mm. there is freedom. And if, if there's a, a message to underline today is, you know, we can speak about our faith thankfully in our society still let's exercise that freedom and and share the good news message about jesus christ that's really positive because i think lots of us will think of uh the 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 the, the persecution low level compared to afghanistan and north, north korea etc of course but the persecution that some christians will uh face and yet we are encouraged to be you know uh, cheerful in all circumstances and uh, and also to um 
to to use the position we've been put in in order to share the gospel. So the Speak Up materials are easily available. Is that right? Yeah, you can you can download a copy of Speak Up and its sister publication, which was done with the Evangelical Alliance and the ADF from our website, from the Evangelical Alliance's website, and Christian the Workplace from ADFs as well. Well, I'll be doing that myself, and I'll encourage others uh, listening to do the same. Thank you for doing that. But let's let's just focus a moment. Obviously, as you did uh, mention briefly, Christians in uh, many professions do find themselves sometimes marginalised or or worse. What are the kind of issues that tend to come across your your desk that are of that variety? That's a, that's a good good question. Um, so a, a variety often is, as you say, quite low level. Um, feeling uncomfortable, um, things like the, the kind of words that are used by colleagues, so um, using um, the name of Jesus um, as an expletive is a regular thing, um, perhaps feeling isolated in work, um, but as I say, the, the incidences of religion and belief in this country are relatively low compared to other forms of discrimination. Um, and that's really encouraging to hear. And I think it's important for us to remember as well. I think um, p- partly because I think, aren't we encouraged to turn the other cheek and to be uh, to, 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 to love the other, not to complain about them, but also in the context of all those around the world who are suffering really uh, genuine persecution. I wonder, often there is a lot of talk about Christians feeling marginalised or even persecuted in the workplace in UK society. To what extent should Christians care about discrimination against other groups, including those that are non-Christian or even anti-Christian? Yeah, well, I I think, and first and foremost, the freedoms we enjoy in this country to share the gospel uh, mean that there is freedom and ought to be freedom for others to also share their positions too. And underpinning the gospel is the inherent dignity of human beings and so for me, I, I've, I've represented um, various people who suffered discrimination on various grounds. And I always had a strong conviction that that work was right because of the dignity of human beings and because of the importance of protecting freedoms generally, because mm. they're the freedoms that give us the ability to speak about Jesus Christ still. Yeah, that's a great answer. I- Obviously, we're, we're touching on the or getting into the interface between uh, law and politics. And in, in this place, I'm speaking to you from the House of Commons at the moment. In, the, in this place, uh, we make the law. Uh, new guys interpret it, work with it. It's your, your, your tool and your workplace. Obviously, at the moment, we have this strange situation where we've got people calling for um, senior people, shall we say, in our country mm. to be brought to justice, to um, to face um, uh, the the law. How do you feel the relationship between our politics and our legal profession is at the moment? Obviously, there's a lot of interchange between the two. Um, and do you think that politicians seek to meddle too much in the practice of the law? Yeah, I, well, I, I think um, in terms of the interface, that the, there often be, have been unfavourable comparisons, unfavourable jokes about both lawyers and politicians um, for many, many years. Um, it's a good starting point to remember that you know, I've met lots of politicians, um, most of which, the vast majority of which, are in politics to serve and do a very hard job in very difficult circumstances, as do lawyers. 
Um, they seek to serve in difficult circumstances. Um, and it's the, the challenging, stressful career choices to make, but they are noble professions and we should uphold that. In terms of the interface, um, for me, it's always important to remember that the rule of law should be safeguarded by our politicians. If we lose the rule of law in any ex to any extent, we compromise the security and the good governance of our society. Mm. And that means um, taking it on the chin when the jury says something we don't particularly like, for instance. Yes. I mean, there are, there's an appeal system. We have an, an excellent um, you know, judicial system in our country, an excellent legal system in our country, which is highly regarded around the world. It's why many um, parties in contracts, for example, will choose UK law mm. uh, to make as their primary jurisdiction for deciding cases. It's known to be fair. It's known to be just. Um, and we should uphold that. And politicians, you know, it will mean sometimes that there are cases which they won't like, decisions which they don't want. Um, but it means that rule of law is safeguarded and protected. And that gives us a better society in which to live. Well, Mark, uh, I think we should form a self-help group alongside estate agents and journalists <laughs> and derided professions. But um, all mucky businesses, um, but nevertheless, ones where it's really important that Christians serve. Uh, and I'm really grateful to you for your service, for your leadership of the Lawyers Christian Fellowship and your time with us today. And I'm going to, again, give a plug for the Speak Up materials, which Thank is you. available on the Lawyers Christian Fellowship website, I assume, and on the EA website. That's right. Great. Well, download away. Uh, Mark, lovely to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Each week, we answer a question from you, the listener, about how Christianity and politics can work together. Maybe you're thinking through a particular issue or you're not sure why people disagree on a certain policy. If you've got a question, I'd love it if you wrote it in in an email to farron at premier.org.uk. This week, Ginny from Bristol has been in touch. My question to Tim Farron, Mucky Business, is do politicians work according to man's law or God's law? Individual Christians ought to live in accordance with God's law. I think that's very clear. It's our response to God's amazing grace through Jesus that we would want to live obediently and faithfully. And actually part of living faithfully is to obey the law of the land, so to speak, um, except in those circumstances where it's obviously directly in contradiction to how God expects us to live our lives. I think all the same, it's important to remember that I don't think we're called to enforce uh, on the non-Christian majority lifestyles that are chosen uh, in obedience, in response to grace by Christians. I don't see, as I've said elsewhere in this same programme, um, that there's any value at all in legislating to make non-Christians live as though they were Christians. I don't think we're called to do it. I actually think it's probably counterproductive. After all, Christianity is a, a religion, a faith of liberation um, and not one of assimilation. It is one where individuals can be called into relationship with God through Jesus. And by putting our trust in Jesus, that is how we're saved. And obedience to God's law is part of our response to that salvation. So, yeah, we should be we should be obeying man's law because it is ordained by God except in those circumstances where clearly it is in diametric opposition to it. If you have a question for Tim, email farron at premier.org.uk.
Well, we're coming to the end of our time together this week, so let's close in prayer. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for Mark Bainbridge and we thank you for the work of the Lawyers Christian Fellowship. Thank you for reminding us, Father, that we in this country have great freedom and it is your good pleasure to give us those freedoms. We see those brothers and sisters around the world, millions and millions of them, who face untold persecution and even worse uh, for following in uh, your name, following you, Lord Jesus. And so we thank you for the freedoms we've got. Help us not to squander them. Thank you for the Speak Up resources provided by Evangelical Alliance and the Lawyers Christian Fellowship. May many of us uh, listening to this programme be prompted to make use of them as a way of helping us to think about how we can humbly but faithfully um, speak uh, of you to those we are um, placed amongst. We thank you also for our leaders and we lift them up to you. Um, we lift up to you the really worrying situation uh, in Ukraine and with the uh, incursion of uh, Russia and Russian soldiers into uh, that country. We pray for peace, uh, we pray for justice, and we pray that our leaders and the leaders of all countries would seek peace and would not be distracted by other things. I pray for integrity and for wisdom um, amongst those who lead us, particularly in this country. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you very much for listening. Uh, don't forget, you can catch up on all the shows, which have included interviews with party leaders, former government ministers and MPs from all the major parties. Just search for A Mucky Business on your chosen podcast provider or head to premierchristianradio.com forward slash A Mucky Business. Thanks again for listening. See you soon. Mm-hmm.